This episode of A Little Juju Podcast is sponsored by Majestic Intentions. Majestic Intentions Sacred Instruments Shop is a Black-owned resource for all handmade jewelry, crystals, chakra healing, spirituality needs, and more. Check out their new summer collection at MajesticIntentions.com and use the code JUJU25 for 25% off your first order. Again, that's JUJU25 for 25% off your first order. Check out Majestic Intentions. Now, let's get into the show. Welcome to A Little Juju Podcast. This is the podcast all about black ass spirituality, honoring our ancestors, honoring ourselves, decolonizing our spiritual traditions on our path, on our journey to freedom. You know, we talk about African traditional religions over here, religions of the diaspora, and yeah, we try to make sense of them and connect back to them. I don't know why I did that long intro today, but... Sometimes I'm like, maybe people feel, maybe I need a better intro to really talk about what this show is about. But anyway, regardless, hi, my name is Juju. Thanks for stopping through through. I am a hoodoo practitioner. I am an Orisha devotee, a medium, your neighborhood reiki hashtag reiki practice Reiki, and really a, a a curator of black spiritual shit. That's that's what I am. I'm also your Reverend Pastor. <laughs> and I'm very excited for today's episode because we are back with another interview. And today's interview is with none other than Nagara Ekudumu, which you have heard in a previous episode called Palo is a Liberatory Technology, as well as the We Gonna Be All Right panel discussion about all the mess going on with the global pandemic. We're basically going to talk about the pandemic. We're going to talk about the energy around the uprisings. We're going to talk more about Palo and just, you know, really just kiki about the times. We're going to talk about the times and sort of what our roles can be uh, in these moments. You know, Nagara always breaks it down. So that's just what we're going to get today. So I'm very excited. Um, and surprise, surprise, if you would like to check out the interview portion with Nagara, you can do so on YouTube. So that will be there for your viewing pleasures. Um, I'm going to have a regular podcast and it will be here in this episode as well. But if you're just wanting to check out the interview with Nagara, you can head on over to YouTube and you can watch us having this conversation. Or you could like listen to the podcast and then when we get to the interview portion, you can head on over to YouTube. Really whatever you want to do. But I'm trying to, you know, trying to give the girls options. Okay, I give the girls some options. <laughs> All right, let's drop this intro. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is all you need. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. A little juju. A little juju. A little juju is the way. It's how I start my day. Can't firm no say. And I'll never get the play. I'll take your photo to the grave. But that ain't even my thing. I just stay at the crossroads, pray. I just pour a little honey from my bay to make them stay. Cause I hate when bay leaves, but I manifest a little with my bay leaves. I'm my ancestors, baby. So 
I give them everything that they gave me, yeah. So I can't be stopped. Manifested everything gives me props. I'm spiritually rounded while I'm on the top. My spirit's surrounded, so I'll never drop, drop. Okay, I think the only church announcement that I have today is that I have a YouTube channel. I mean, I've been had a YouTube channel, but I'm trying to be on top of creating content. We will see because YouTube takes a lot of energy. Oh my gosh, I don't know how people do it. But either way, um, I have a YouTube channel. It will be in the show notes. I have an interview up right now with Hess Love, who is a Hoodoo scholar and a writer and also my friend. So I want y'all to check that interview out. I'm thinking it's sort of like an extension of a little Juju podcast. Um, I just want to create an additional space to be able to highlight different workers. And I know a lot of people have asked to have a visual of stuff from me. So I don't know if I'm always going to record myself. I mean, people have asked me to like record myself and post that on YouTube. I don't know if I'm going to get to that, but I can do additional interviews on YouTube. Also known as JujuTube, by the way, that's what we call it, JujuTube. So uh, hit me up on or find me on YouTube and check out my interviews and all the things that are going to be up there. I'm really excited to offer this. Um, oh, I guess I do have another church announcement. I'm working on getting all of the episodes of a Little Juju podcast transcribed. Right now, episodes one through three are fully written out. So if you want to go read that, check it out. It is in the show notes to every episode. It's also on my website. If you click episodes one through three, we're working on getting them all done. Shout out to Trades of Max, who is my transcriber, who is so on point and just so easy to work with. So shout out to Max. And yeah, we, we, we're trying to expand y'all. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. So thank y'all for your support and for your donations to allow me to be able to expand in this way. So, um, <laughs> yes, I'm looking at you. I'm not sure if you all can hear my kitty cat, but I got a cat, y'all. I got a cat. Her name is Sula. Her name is Sula Rue. S-U-L-A, first name, Rue, R-U-E, second first name. <laughs> and it's a black kitty. Well, she has a little bit white, little tuxedo situation, but she's mostly black. And she's so pretty. And I'm looking at her right now. Um, she was an outside cat. Well, she was owned, I think, by some people in West Baltimore. Apparently, they had a house fire and moved. And either maybe, I don't know if they couldn't find her after the house fire or they decided not to take her wherever they moved. Why is my cat staring at me while I'm saying this story? Like, you better tell my story correctly. Um, so anyway, my friend was kind of feeding her. She was coming around my friend's house who lives in West Baltimore, was feeding her a little bit. And then next thing I know, my friend was going out of town. She was like, can you, I heard you wanted a cat. Like, do you want this cat? Can you watch her while I'm out of town? See if you like her. Maybe you want to keep her. I was like, I'll watch her for a week or whatever. Next thing I know, I was like, never mind. You're not getting this cat back. And that's how I got a cat. So <laughs> if you follow me on social media, I'm sure you all have seen my baby Sula. But she is in heat, y'all. And I need to get her, I need to get her spayed because she is just, screaming and hollering for dick all hours of the night thankfully she doesn't do it around me she goes downstairs to do that but anyway I just want to tell you I got a kitty cat and I'm really happy so um I've never had a cat before so all cat related 
things are deeply appreciated. Uh, yeah. Okay, mask. Oh, happy belated Juneteenth. I realized that last episode, I should have probably talked about Juneteenth, um, but I wasn't thinking about it just because it was so, it was ahead of Juneteenth. And then I was like, oh, I didn't get to talk about Juneteenth. So um, for those who don't know, Juneteenth is the day, it's June 19th that we celebrate um, our ancestors in Texas learning three years, or was it two years? I think three years after the Emancipation Emancipation Proclamation was signed, uh, meaning that they were free, that they were free. So they didn't know. Three years after they were freed, our ancestors in Texas did not know that they were freed. So it recognizes the moment where they found out that they were free. We know that enslavement still was happening probably in different parts of the South. Um, We know that those weren't necessarily the last ancestors to find out that they were freed um, from chattel slavery. And um, we can also uplift the fact that slavery still exists to this day, but it, it monuments the particular form of chattel slavery that our ancestors experienced and celebrating that being that moments of freedom. So I hope y'all did something cool for Juneteenth. I hope y'all turned up. I hope y'all felt extra blickety black. Um, I know I did. I was definitely out in the streets organizing and doing my things. So I had a good Juneteenth. Um, I've, I've saw this year that a lot of people, were talking to their jobs and stuff and trying to get the day off, trying to make it a paid holiday and different organizations and such have moved forward to make Juneteenth a paid holiday um, or a national holiday. I think everybody who's black or, I mean, I think people should be off and get paid on Juneteenth because it, it is a day that should be celebrated. However, I can't sit here and lie and say that the thought of Juneteenth getting mainstream kind of worries me because mostly anything that goes mainstream becomes terrible. It becomes uh, whitewashed. It becomes watered down. And I even saw remnants of that this year. And I just, I really, I'm, I'm concerned, but I will stay in the fact that more people, more black people are having conversations around Juneteenth and what it is and how we can support each other more. I think we're still kind of in this stage of, I don't want to call it a stage, but, you know, energetically, I think with the uprisings that have been happening all over the world, really, um, it feels like the energy around what it means to be black has shifted. And I think it's always been like cool to be black. I think it's always, not always, always, but you know, within the past few years, it's, it's been still been like cool to be black and talk about blackness. But now it's, it feels like it just went up a notch. It's beyond being cool. It's beyond um, prioritizing it. It's kind of like either you get in line or get fucked up in a way that I haven't felt like we've seen. Um, so I'm just feeling that energy around our holidays, the things that we want to do, like what we are requiring from our governments, what we are asking for and how we are going about asking for those things. So, you know, it is a a time that feels sad in a lot of ways, but it also feels like a time that's very hopeful. So I'm, I'm happy for that. Um, briefly, I know a lot of people wanted me to talk about Beyonce, um, (laughs) because she came out with a song on Juneteenth 
at like midnight. You know how Beyonce does. She just dropped some stuff. And it was all about, you know, being black and black power. But more importantly, she basically came out of her little witchy closet. She started talking about Oshun. She mentioned Yemaya. She mentioned crystals and charging and, you know, a, a few spiritual references. And um, I, I will, I think I'm going to either do a little episode or probably do a YouTube video about it because I'm not going to take up the time to tell you how I feel. In general, I think it's cool. I like the song. I think it's a great song. I love that she came out because we already knew. Um, hashtag, we already had an episode about Beyonce's a witch. I will put it in the show notes. So, we, you know, we, we've talked about this. We already knew this. But it was it was very intentional. So I appreciated it. Um, shout out to Oshun's babies. <laughs> shout out to the honey, the honey pot gang, gang, gang. Would our queen be leading, leading us? Um, but yeah, I, I liked the song. I appreciated the song. I think that for a lot of spiritual workers, this is going to do a lot for us. You know, it, it's, it, it planted a seed and that's what I think it was supposed to do. And that's what I think that it did. And I'm here for all the seeds being planted. So thanks B. Thanks B. Maybe I'll get some more podcast traffic. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll do my full thoughts, you know, in a separate space, but anywho, let's move on. Let's get into, um, my patrons and how to donate. And then we will get into our episode with Nagara. All you need is a little juju. A little juju podcast is written, hosted and crafted by me, Juju. And this process is a labor of love, but it is labor nonetheless, because podcasting ain't free. It takes time, energy, resources, money, so that I can pay people to help me. Finally, I have a little bit more resources to do that. And I'm able to do that because people donate. Um, It is a few ways to donate to the show. All of them are important. I will start with the monetary ways and then we'll get into the non-monetary ways to support this work. So the first monetary way that I'll mention is through Patreon, which is a site that allows you to contribute to the show monthly. So on the first of the month, Patreon automatically takes out whatever you choose to donate, which will range from $1 to as many dollars as you want. I have some suggestions on my Patreon. And based on the level that you donate is the level of content or things that you'll receive from me via Patreon, which includes exclusive deals, videos. Sometimes I do readings. Sometimes I do workings for specific patrons. It just depends. Okay, so big shout out to my newest patrons. We have... Uh, Megan Cody, thank you so much for becoming a patron, Megan. Shout out to Boo Austin. Shout out to Aminta, Tiana Avery, Mother Melly. Thank you so much. Shout out to Quinette Yancey, Jazze Arias, Dara Robinson, Kayla Mitchell, Dion Hunter. Thank you for upping your pledge, Dion. Kobe Guilford, that is my editor who is also a patron. Shout out to you, Boo. Um, shout out to Brie Clark. Shout out to Duchess Howlett. Thank you for upping your pledge, Duchess. Shout out to Lakeisha Bacchus or Bacchus. Uh, Leah Washington, Tanashati Anderson, Shayna Omorogomwan. 
I hope I said that right, Shana. Thank you. Shout out to Jami Bless, Bree Reed. Hey, boo. Shout out to Leslie Ann, Muncha Cookie. Shout out to Gianna, Friday Celia, Zoelner, Carla, Chitty Davis, Courtney Watson, Boo, Mambo, Bit Mary, Marielle. Shout out to Hannah Johnson for remaining a patron and changing your pledge around. That fits what you can do. Shout out to Bree. Shout out to Carlin Jones, Snaya Aaliyah or Snia Aaliyah. I think it's Snaya. Shout out to Kashunta, Rose True, Justin, Jasmine B, Kristen Garrison, Danielle. Shout out to Neon Nova for upping your pledge. Shout out to Laren, my Spelman sister. I used to look up to Laren. Thank you for becoming a patron. Shout out to Nicole K. Henderson. Shout out to Maureen for upping your pledge. Shout out to Brianna D. Clarell for upping your pledge. Hammy Norze, thank you to Sarah, Kai Wilson, Shakira at The Astrology. Oh, hey, boo. Thank you for becoming a patron. Shout out to D. Delphinium for changing your pledge around and remaining a patron. Shout out to Mariah Grimolini, Lindsay Eck, Krista, Jasmarie, Juditas, Ashley Thomas, Alicia Walters, Portia, Fathery, V Salt, Ashley, Keys Keys. Shout out to Carolyn, China McDuffie, Andrea Isabel, Dana Marie Combs, Jasmine Carter, Carolyn. And yes, 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 that is all my patrons for today. Y'all know I love you. I stand you. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for sharing the energy of abundance with me. I'm sharing it back over you tenfold. So whatever uh, resources that you may need, may you have them, whatever financial situations and um, abundance that you may need to be able to curate and craft what it is that you want to do in your life. May you have the resources and funds to be able to do that. Um, I speak continued blessings over your abundance as you share it with me. And y'all know I appreciate y'all. Couldn't do this work without you. Thank you for thank you for allowing me to continue this show and also all the other things that I want to do and create for y'all. Um, yeah, so I really appreciate that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And of course, big shout out to those of you who hit me up on the Cash App for a more non-committal way to donate to the show at dollar sign I-T-S-J-U-J-U-B-A-E or on my PayPal at thejujubay, T-H-E-J-U-J-U-B-A-E at gmail.com. Big shout outs to those of you who have donated in that way. I say a little prayer for you each time. So thank you. And if you are interested in the non-monetary ways to donate to the show, which are just as important, shout me out. Tag ALJ Pod, tag Jujubay on social media, put people onto the show, tell them what this podcast is and what it's about. Comment, subscribe so that I pop up when a new episode comes out so you already are hip and you know. Just let people know about the show. You can rate five stars on Apple or whatever platform that you are using and just help me spread the good juju gospel. I appreciate everyone who always tags and tells me they're listening and puts people onto the show. I deeply, deeply appreciate that as well. All that information will be in the show notes. So now let's get back into the show. All you need is a little juju. Interview time. Of course, you can sit back and relax and enjoy if you prefer 
audio, but of course you can head on over to YouTube, as I said before, to check out this interview with Nagara and I, um, also before you listen to that interview, I really do recommend listening to Paulo is a liberatory technology. I will have it in the show notes because it gives just the groundwork for what Paulo is, you know, where she's coming from. I kind of refer to that interview a few times in our second interview. So I just think that's a, a better place to a good place to start. But of course, if you don't want to child, do what you want to do. Child. It, it's going to make sense regardless. <laughs> you don't know what's going on. I just think it would, it just, it would just be better. But either way, sit back, relax. I hope you all enjoy. I always love talking to Nagara. Um, she's just full of knowledge, good, strong Capricorn energy, which we need during these times. So please enjoy and um, yeah, let's get into it. All you need is a little juju. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Juju Tube. I'm very excited to offer a video interview with none other than Nagara. Um, I'm sure you all have heard Nagara on a, the Liberation Apollo is a Liberatory Technology episode, and also on the We Gonna Be All Right panel, where we talked with a few practitioners just about the whole COVID mess. Um, and Nagara gave us such good information there. So, really excited to invite her back into the Juju Tube space. So, thank you so much, Nagara, for being here oh my pleasure thank you for having me again I'm glad that we were able to do this and you know we had such a good time the first time girl so mm -hmm. and I was more than happy to do it again yes and you know the time the interview I was looking it was eight months ago and was it? Great. but who would have thought that this is where we would be in eight months that's why I'm like whoa the things that have transpired Not even a whole calendar year and eight months here we are here we are. We are in the, I don't know if we're still in the middle of a global pandemic, technically. I don't know if that's still the language. Anymore. Well, you know what? We might want to talk about that because I don't know who knows anything. Right now. <laughs> you know, I don't know who knows anything. Right. Who, who has the answer? I don't know. So, <laughs> but you definitely have some answers for us, which is why you are I here. mean, yeah, I can tell you what's going on over here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so can you tell people briefly like just who you are of course folks I encourage you to listen to Nagar's first episode um, mm -hmm. I will have it so you all can hear but can you just tell us briefly a little bit about, about yourself of course of course for those of you who don't know me my name is Nagar Ekujumu I am based in Seattle Washington and I run a business called Nagar Ekujumu Art and Healing and it is it is a crossroads practice that works at the intersection of art and healing and so on the art side I'm involved in a lot of research um, presentation of scholarly papers engagement with contemporary artists primarily from uh, African contemporary art and African diasporic contemporary art, um, and as well as an emerging interest in working with South Asian uh, artists from South Asia and also the diaspora. Um, so a lot of, you know, a lot of talking, a lot of panels, a lot of lectures, writing, research, that kind of thing. And then also on the healing side, I maintain a one-on-one -on -one client practice, which has recently taken a turn for, you know, additional sort of academic work where research and, and talking about healing traditions, particularly at that nexus of, um, of art and healing. But my, the healing side is primarily a one-on-one -on -one client practice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, cool. And so um, 
specifically, I want to get into Palo because that is what we sort of centered on last time. So can you just tell folks what Palo is? And I believe you've been a practitioner of Palo for eight years. Is that right? Right. So it's going it, in, in February, believe it or not, me and my godmother were just talking about this as well. I will have been initiated for nine years. And that's just wild to say, I can't even believe it. I'm almost like, uh-huh. where did the time go? <laughs> but anyway, but yeah, so I, I've been a practitioner of Palo as well as Espiritismo and Morterismo for uh, going on nine years now. Palo is a spiritual tradition, an Afro-Cuban spiritual tradition that was de- developed by enslaved Africans of varying Bantu ethnicities who as a result of colonialism and as a result of the transatlantic slave trade were brought um, to Cuba and upon arriving to Cuba and realizing the, 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 the dire-ness the gravity of the situation in which they uh, found themselves decided that and again, not formally, but you know, decided that there needed to be something based on the traditions of their land, of the their their home territories in West and West Central Africa, that they could use specifically to overcome the intense suffering, oppression, violence, torture that was slavery and colonialism. Right. And so Palo is very specifically a liberation cult, as I've said before. Mm -hmm. Um, Beyond that, however, it is a healing uh, tradition. Um, One of the, I think, most important things um, for people to know about Palo and particularly the antecedent traditions that uh, comprise it on the continent of Africa is that those traditions focused on being, the act of living, being in the world and trying to maximize vitality within that as much as possible. And so that's, I, I would say that's one important point. The next important point is that they also were super practical and super realistic. They understood that living involved suffering and sometimes that's suffering that you would cause yourself, cause to yourself. Sometimes that suffering is stuff that would come externally. Regardless of the origin, these Bantu, these various Bantu ethnic groups were experts at identifying suffering, uprooting it, and healing it. Mm. Um, the connection there to liberation comes when you start to understand the ways in which particularly external suffering has been thrust upon people of African descent. Hmm. Um, and so you get the, 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 the merging of these two ideas into one such that you don't have true healing without getting free from that which causes you suffering. Right. Um, and so that really is at the core of Palo, is to be healed from the suffering mm-hmm. that is, uh, is plaguing you mm-hmm. and to return to a state of peace mm-hmm. um, where you can go about the business of maximizing your vitality. Right. That's really what we're about. 
uh, people think other things, but that's really what we're about. We are a group of uh, practitioners and priests who value our peace. We value our peace immensely, mm-hmm. so much so that when it is compromised, we will go to war for it. And in my lineage, we generally win. Okay. <laughs> Sips tea. Okay. I love that. But, you know, close enough. <laughs> so I really appreciate just believing and needing peace and going to war for your peace. And that's really what it's about. And also being liberated from the suffering so that you may heal. Because how mm-hmm. are we supposed to heal in the midst of foolishness? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Um, so liberation cult. I know the last episode you talked about this a focus on becoming unenslaved um, for our ancestors, literally physically in chains. So them becoming unenslaved, but also beyond that, mentally and spiritual mm-hmm. unenslaved. Mm-hmm. So how, Mm -hmm. I guess, in this moment where a lot of people are talking about liberation right now, Mm -hmm. lots of people in different spaces of the world, how can we look to Paolo to see, or maybe my question is, how did our ancestors use Paolo to liberate themselves? And then Mm -hmm. how how, how can that translate into today's day and age and how we need to be free? Um, The methodology for me is, 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 is quite simple. You know, when you look around at your environment um, and you can observe the ways in which you are hindered, Mm -hmm. the ways in which you are not allowed to be who you are, especially when being who you are is not inherently a threat to anybody else. Um, When you are unable to walk around unencumbered because someone else perceives you as a threat. Um, I think they became very clear that, you know, slavery was the ultimate representation of an attack on their peace, an attack on their vitality. They literally did nothing to end up in that capacity. Um, despite what it is that they were told by, you know, the, the slavers, as I call them. Um, but, you know, it's a group of people who literally did nothing to, 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 be, to, to be attacked, to be uh, abused. Um, but yet they find themselves in the ultimate state of imprisonment. Um, and for many people, that just sort of rings a bell in their head, a light switch goes off, you know, this is not how I'm trying to live my life. I'm not interested in being, you know, uh, I'm not interested in being enslaved, period. I'm not interested in having someone else suck my vitality out of me. So I think on, on, on a base level, it starts first with that kind of realization. You look around and you're just like, this is not right. Mm-hmm. Now, where Paulo comes in is it for it takes that it takes that observation further, because Paulo comes in with divination, and looks really for the source of the thing, for the source of the impasse, which is suffering, for the source of the sickness, and we understand sickness 
as more than just mental or physical illness, but also social illness. Hmm. Um, and we understand that social illness can cause physical and mental illness as well. And so that being the case, Paulo comes in with divination in the way that we do divination and really seeks to find the source mm -hmm. of the impasse. And as it I begins to identify the source or perhaps even multiple sources of the impasse, the goal is always resolution. Mm -hmm. I don't think we're under any illusions about how uh, intense and uh, how difficult that resolution may be. But the goal is always resolution. Because for us, any state of suffering, whether it is externally imposed or internally imposed, is a problem. It is literally eating your vitality. And those, those are the words that we use. Those are the words that, that, that are used in, in the old Kikongo that makes up part of the, 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 the Palo language that we use um, ritually. But, you know, it, it's a state of dia, which is mean, means eating or to be eaten. Mm -hmm. And so we, once, once we see that, we're just really not with the shit, <laughs> you know? <laughs> we're just like, mm, you're being eaten. Here's why you're being eaten. You know, you might want to fix that yes you might you might want to do that mm -hmm. you know you might want to get on top of that mm -hmm. now where colonial circumstances are concerned i feel like those individuals were very clear it's like uh-uh we don't do slavery mm -mm, we don't do it we don't do it and we're not gonna do it and so paulo was from the very beginning from its inception about getting people free now when you look at what I've just described and then you translate that to the 21st century now, and I, I mentioned this in, 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 in part on the first episode, you know, for the most part, we don't have to deal with uh, actual physical enslavement for the most part, there's still slavery happening and we need to be clear that that happens in the world. Um, but for the most part, physical slavery bondage, mm -hmm. you know, as, is as it is referred to in the Old Testament, is not something we have to deal with. However, we are dealing with the legacies of colonialism and slavery and the ways in which those still cause impasse right. in our lives individually and collectively. And so in the 21st century example, Paulo is working the same way. I might say, based on my experience, and other paletos may disagree with me, but in some ways, I find the impasse that manifests um, in some ways, I find the impasse that manifests as you know mental illness or emotional illness or even spiritual illness and physical illness that are direct legacies as of slavery um that I find to sometimes be some of the more, most difficult hmm. to uproot. As opposed, um, to, as opposed to something that's just very tangible in, in your face, like okay, a right. shackle on an arm or a, 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 a cow, you know what I'm saying? Uh, a, a, mm -hmm. ch a chattel, a chattel, you know, neck thing right. on, on, on a neck. That's real obvious. 
Right. It, you know what I'm saying? If you if you see one of those and you don't think that someone would want to be free from that, then sure. That's a level of sociopathy and psychopathy that I'm not willing to engage. Right. However, when we are looking at um the mental and physical and spiritual issues that deal with that that you see in people of African descent today, a lot of that stuff has been sitting since slavery. Perhaps even longer, Ooh. but it's at least been sitting since slavery. Yep. And they may not they may or may not have had ancestors who were dealing with this actively you know if at all um and so for me hollow in the 21st century um continues to be what it was you know hmm. when it when it was first developed but uh I, I think what we're now seeing is really the 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 what's the what's the term the longevity and the the longevity and the durability of Paulo because you know as several of my elders have said you know if there was no need for Paulo it wouldn't you know it it would it would sort of just go away you know but yet people continue to be interested in it people continue to 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 get divinations and seek healing through it and certain people who have the calling um continue to be initiated in it um but for me it's it's a very interesting moment moment to be doing Paulo just because it is based on what i can see one of the more most adept tools for dealing with our contemporary times but then you also you know what what is indeed difficult difficult as a practitioner is just to see the the degrees to which um people really need particularly black people are in need of some you know of of hardcore healing and the ways in which um, the other things that present themselves as healing in our society have failed them. Yep. You know? Yep. From your, I don't want to say even Apollo perspective, I just want to ask from your perspective, how mm -hmm. can we understand this moment of the uprisings? I mean, we can even throw in the pandemic. Like from just your information, your knowledge, even just as a priest, what mm -hmm. what is happening? I mean, it's it's a lot. It's a confluence of a lot of things. I think the the first thing that hit me when when the p pandemic first when it, it, it first switched from an epidemic to a pandemic was the first thing that hit me was just the wholesale neglect and abuse of the of the planet. Yeah. Um. So on one level, this is for me. This is really Mother Earth being like, oh, I'm so done with y'all. Done. 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 Those of you who make it through this, good luck. Because this is about all I got for you right now. I feel, um, I, I feel that and continue to feel that. Um, and that, for me, has been reinforced by the fact that even sort of in the first two months of the quarantine, the reality of 
far a fewer people on the streets with cars fewer planes in the air mm -hmm. caused animals that people thought were extinct honey or animals who had vacated the premises due to humans and their foolishness came back like oh we here y'all went away we back <laughs> you know what i'm saying there was this cutest little picture of these penguins in cape town i believe it was or somewhere near cape town in south africa honey walking the streets wow. it's like they were having a family walk huh. and they were just like we're here y'all are gonna live here before y'all were here we used to live here yep. we're taking a walk yeah you know i mean i see it here in seattle you know since i moved i moved to seattle in january 2014 and i was pleasantly surprised because my first summer in seattle was absolutely gorgeous it it, it got hot in may and stayed hot till damn near october but that's not typical right when i speak to all my native seattle friends they would always say like this this is definitely climate change um typically it doesn't get hot in seattle or warm in seattle till about july mm -hmm. this year and we you know we've been quarantined since march first week of march this year um we had maybe one or two days of 80 in may mm -hmm. but then it's been very very mild um, more rain, it seems. Um, and I think that has everything to do with the fact that there is less pollution in the general environment because cars are not moving, planes are not moving, people are not moving. Yeah. And so what that tells me is that Mother Earth ha is, has the technology and the capacity to regenerate herself. Um, However, humans are the problem. Yeah. <laughs> Now, where the actual disease is concerned, there are a lot of things out there. Um, you know, they talked about the bats. Uh, you know, the fact that these, you know, that these bats are, uh, these bats, which are, you know, uh, sort of, you know, for those people who are interested in eating weird things, and so that's what happened, and that's how it got transmitted. Um, I don't personally know how plausible I think that is, but that's obviously the st one of the stories that was circulating at the beginning of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, and certainly we know that we can, you know, your body responds, you know, in certain ways to, you know, foods that it's not accustomed to eating. So, I mean, that seems more or less plausible. Um, there have been some interesting stories about, you know, from a variety of spiritual traditions um, that suggest that, you know, and this is also sort of an extension of, you know, the narrative around Mother Earth and, and the, the pollution and the, all of the adverse things that humans have, have caused in, on the planet. But, you know, basically saying there's an, there's a, a, there's an extreme imbalance <laughs> You know, there are very extreme imbalances. People are not uh, engaging with the earth in the way that they should. And so these entities and these spirits that are responsible for caretaking the earth, um, they can't caretake it, you know, 
or they're retaliating against humans for their uh, poor behavior. There's also, of course, the um, what people would call conspiracy theory. Um, and, you know, the interesting thing about conspiracy theory is that um, much of it, well, maybe not much of it, some of it is always has a bit of fact to it. Yeah. In my estimation. So, uh, you know, I, I, I will neither advocate for nor argue against conspiracy theory. Everybody has to come to their own decision. I will say that some of the things that I've read that would be written off as conspiracy theory are um, backed up by some things that are pretty easily verifiable. And I'll leave it at that. Um, spiritually, from the perspective of what I do and what you know my colleagues do, um, I think it's sort of a mixture of some of the things that I've already said, plus the fact that, you know, things just sort of happen cyclically. You know, every so often you get a period of intense disease. I think why this is so remarkable is because for the first time in a very long time, the quote unquote Western world has not been on the receiving end of that. You know, the Spanish flu obviously happened in Spain primarily, affected Spain and other parts of Europe primarily. But, you know, the closest thing that we had to that, and it was my mother who had to remind me of this, was polio and before that, tuberculosis, mm. if I'm not mistaken. Um, but... And I have to check, but it doesn't seem to have been as widespread as quarantine. But I, ha I have to check though that information. And so, you know, whenever Europe and the United States get hit with something, it becomes an issue. Yes. I promise you, if it was just China that was dealing with it, Americans would not care. Because I I'll be very honest, when the when the bird flu and SARS. The, the, the various bouts of SARS took place, even when Zika took place. Um, I was attuned to it to a certain extent, but I wasn't like, oh, it could come here. Right. No. But, you know, now here we are in full-blown pandemic. And so spe speaking specifically from Apollo's standpoint, you know, it's a it's yet another form of suffering. And so the Paleros that I know that in primarily in my lineage, we're treating it as such. It's yet another form of suffering. Now, depending on how you look at it, this could be suffering that humans caused to themselves in a way, if you if you decide to take the position that humans have been abusing the earth and this is the earth coming back to us and saying, mm, no, um, or depending on, you know, again, getting back just, just briefly to some of the conspiracy theories, if you believe that this, this was some kind of, you know, bio 
terrorism, then it's something being projected upon us. At a certain point, I don't know that that remains the main question. I think up front when you're investigating it, yeah, the source and the origin matters. But at a certain point, I don't know that that is really and truly the central issue. The central issue becomes how do you, if you are directly affected, how do you heal yourself from it? Yeah. And if you are not directly affected, how do you remain unaffected? Yep. And so those are the conversations that I'm having. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, thankfully, most of the people that I know have not been directly affected. Although I will say, the the main uh, the main result that I the main uh, uh, way in which I'm seeing people being affected is not necessarily because they're, they have caught COVID um, or not even that any of their loved ones may have caught it, but the mental angst that has come yeah. with the general energy of the pandemic as well as the um, quarantine. Right. The quarantine has been very hard for people, myself included, to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. um, there have been certain adjustments that I had to make that I didn't anticipate being as intense in the moment as they were. Right. You know, I've, I've moved through it, but it's required a level of adjustment on my, on my part. And it was also just things that I took for granted because, you know, I could go and come as I pleased. Right. You know, and now because I've taken the position that I am going to quarantine, you know, because I believe that to be something that works and is important for me to do, um, I've just had to make certain adjustments to my life. Um, and those adjustments that, those are adjustments that I'm willing to make. Now, some of them I don't like, like this wearing a mask, I hate it. I hate it. You know, and you know, if you don't see me outside until 2021, it will be because I don't want to wear a mask. Right. <laughs> so real. I absolutely hate it. Now, when I go to the post office or when I have to be out where they're going to be, you know, people. Yeah, I'll put it on. But I'm telling you, I hate it. I have anxiety. And so putting a mask on, even though it's supposed to filter through, it's not the same. So I'm like breathing, I'm exhaling, and then my hot breath is hitting my face all over again. It's terrible. And it sends me into a state of panic. Oh, that's so real. So, you know, it's like I go, when I have to go, I go get my things and I come back home. Yep. You know, because I just, I can't be bothered. I'm, I, this mask is not, mm-mm. The impacts of COVID, as you were saying, are just have been so much more influential and stronger, I think, than the actual virus itself. It's just what we have had to do to now a new, a completely different way to live, essentially, until I don't know, maybe forever. I mean, there's like guards up. So, I mean, things are changed. To your point, we don't know. We yes. don't know what this is going to we don't know how this is going to end if it's going to end at all um and so 
what I do know is that those of us who are talking about it in certain ways are also not relying on the government to end it for us. You know? True. Um, and so I would say up until, what is this, June? We're almost in July. Up until the end of May, which marked the third month that I was in quarantine. I was just like, you know what, if I got to stay in the house until 2021, it's fine. I could do it. And I could do it. Mm -hmm. The question is, do I want to? Mm -hmm. That's number one. Number two, um, I'm not really interested in this, uh, in this disease pandemic messing with my coin, you know? And some of my coin is not in the United States. Some of my coin is in other places. Okay. You know? And so what does that mean? That means that I generally need to have a level of uh, freedom of movement to make informed decisions mm -hmm. about where I'm going to go and for what. Right. Um, and when I talk to people when I talk to my friend groups and colleagues and all of that, I'm getting enough of a hint to understand that that's what they're thinking about as well, mm -hmm. you know? And so at a certain point, as we're already seeing, these economies are reopening, right? Yeah. That was inevitable. You, we can't just shut down the economy the whole time. Although that's an interesting conversation too. I'm gonna get to that in a minute. Mm -hmm. um, we can't shut the economy down forever. But the question is, becomes, how can we safely conduct business in the COVID environment? I used to say post-COVID, honey. I don't know if we going to have a post-COVID. Oh, <laughs> you know, I, I just, I don't know. Yeah, because what does that even mean? I don't know. Yeah. Um, and so, what does, for me, what does making informed decisions about my mobility and where I go and all of that. Mm -hmm. For me, it always comes back to these, you know, to, to, to my spiritual practice, to these dead people, to divination. Divination. You know, if I have an opportunity that's viable, that seems worth it, I'm going to go to them and I'm going to read and I'm going to say, is it in my best interest? This is the opportunity. This is the amount of money attached to it, or this is the ex level of exposure attached to it. Is this something that I should do? And if I'm given a yes, then get my little arsenal of protections and cleaning supplies and all of that. And then get on that plane or do wherever I have to do, make it pop, come back, and then implement measures that I think are reasonable so that I can keep myself safe, but also for the people that, you know, I want to see and that I want to spend time with that I can keep themselves safe too. So what that looks like for me is that if I have a, you know, if I have a gig, let's say if I have a gig in Toronto, because I often have gigs in Toronto, you know, I'm not going to necessarily turn it down, but that means that I need to make all sorts of decisions about where I'm going to stay. Um, you know, making sure that I'm packing my, you know, cleaning supplies. I have all my protections, my talismans, you know. I mean, I've never traveled without several protections, but, you know, I've also had to travel with Alegba, honey. Alegba has been in the carry-on. Right. <laughs> many a time. Yeah. 
many a time Alegba has been in the carry-on like uh-uh you're not leaving me here yeah you going where I'm going with you you know um and so that is it, it's 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 those kinds of decisions and then upon return from my trip you know then self-quarantining yeah you know for not just my safety but the safety of others in addition to continuing to take my supplements continuing to do mm-hmm. my my do my own herbalism healing on myself to make sure that my immune system is in tip-top shape i mean i was just having this conversation with my mother yesterday and the reality is that you know my mother's in chicago i'm in seattle am i gonna not go see my mother because of covid however crazy other people may think that this sounds you know but i also say this because i've actually quarantined for the past three months going on for i know a lot of people who haven't quarantined and that's fine that's no judgment i also get it you there there's a presence of mind that is required to 100 percent quarantine Mm -hmm. it's hard it's it's hard on you mentally what i have going for me is the fact that i'm an only child and i like my solitude but even i am catching cabin fever yeah no and so you know that being the case i'm 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 thinking about the decisions that i'm absolutely going to have to make that are non-negotiable one being i'm gonna go see my mama (laughs) you know um and when business opportunities particularly in the art world resume uh resume on a on a greater scale i will choose carefully which ones that I'm going to be a part of and make it the safest mm-hmm. trip that I can possibly can. I possibly can, mm-hmm. you know, um, humans are social animals. We can do okay by ourselves, but we do better with others. Um, and so I really have to think about the ways in which quarantining out of a concern for my health may actually also be an adverse impact on my health because I can't see my loved ones. Yes, yes, yes. You know, saying that. Yes. Um so yeah, that that that's where that's that's where my thinking is. Mm-hmm. On that. Yeah, I'm that's gonna, where I think is on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I really love that you just talked about just divining on certain things. I mean, you talked about Paulo and I think a lot just tradition a lot of our traditions in general are practical. Like understand that we are not about to be quarantined for the rest of our lives alone together. So that's why you might need to go to a mat or to something and shake up whatever you got and ask if it's okay or in your best interest to be able to go. Because if my spirits say it's okay, oh, I'm going to go. And of course, like you said, I'm going to take my my supplements and I'm going to clean and I'm going to, but we have these traditions to be able to make those kinds of decisions. They allow space for that. And so. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, so as we are in the midst and have been in the midst of this pandemic, we have also been experiencing and black people, I think, especially a lot of trauma, racial trauma. Um, mm-hmm. just, I think it sort of sparked with the death of Ahmaud Arbery, um, and then George Floyd and then Breonna Taylor, and then mm-hmm. the long line of, of people that mm-hmm. have passed, um, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. Olatoyan, um, creating a, a little bit of a different conversation around the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, so... Ooh, it's just been a lot. I'm mm-hmm. curious. Um, I'm just curious of how we can get, you sort of gave an explanation around 
the, the COVID-19 crisis, but what about like this moment, this movement for Black lives? Like how can we find some liberation through power? How would you explain that kind of moment? Um, and I, th I think this is yet an, as, as, as a, I think similarly to the pandemic as a concept, mm -hmm. this is another kind of pandemic, particularly for Black folk, um, for BIPOC folk. Um, this is a, a, a uptick, certainly, but I mean, they ain't never stopped killing us. Oh no. You know? Mm -hmm. And so, this is an uptick. Personally, I think this is a strategically timed uptick. Mm. Um, I have said to several of my friends, just in talking about it, that, um, you know, it, it is one of the biggest conundrums for Black people to have to make a choice between their health and the right to protest. Um, it is for me, and this will be the only statement of this kind that I will make publicly. Um, it is for me extraordinarily convenient that this particular uptick happened during a pandemic. Extraordinarily convenient. Not for us, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Not for us. That'd be, uh huh. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's extraordinarily convenient. And so when I see that, I think about the ways in which for centuries, um, Black people have been killed, ritually killed, quite frankly. Because if you, if you look at the Klan and you look at their... Uh, Christian references and the way in which they killed black folks. Um, it is quite the ritual. Yes, absolutely. And so I look at all of that and I see it just as the continuation of history. It is not novel to me. Um, I think it is the continuation of a of a centuries-long pandemic called racism yep. that comes out of capitalism and white supremacy. You don't have the success of capitalism, certainly not in the United States, but arguably in the world, without racism against BIPOC, Black folks in particular. You just don't have it. Um, speaking of capitalism, I wish that that was more prominent in the conversations around protests in with uh, amongst you know I wish it was more pro uh, more prominent in the conversations around um, our activism that's what I'm trying to say um, simply because you know the best way to get the attention of people with money is to start messing with their coin, you know? It's the best way to get their attention, start messing with their coin. Somebody mess with my coin, you're gonna have a war on your hands. 
Um, and so, and I've had a conversation with a few different people, particularly two uh, close friends on the East Coast, and they themselves lamented the the the, the lack of attention that uh, economic protest was getting within the movement, even though they did acknowledge, and I was happy to hear that it was a conversation. Right. Um, so for me personally, I wish economic divestment was a part of it. Um, in addition to what I've already said about, you know, I wish black people didn't have to choose between their right to protest and activism. I also think that there is a naivete about how deep all of this goes. Um, personally, and I speak for nobody other than myself, the, the moniker of Black Lives Matter has always been very, very, it hasn't hit right mm -hmm. for me. Primarily because if I have to tell you that my Black life matters, the fact that I have to fix my mouth to say that tells me that you don't think my black life matters, you know? Mm -hmm. And so personally, I'm not in the business of convincing people that my life matters. Mm -hmm. That's not yeah. something, my work is not convincing other people that I matter. My work is, you know, as the old saying goes, like maybe it's not that old, I think it's kind of old, is being black and minding my business. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's my work mm -hmm. um, on, on a base level. And so it's always been interesting to me, the rallying cry of Black Lives Matter, because it's very clear that the people to whom we are saying this to don't think that we matter, don't care about our pleas to be seen as human. Um, and don't think that we're human. You know, it's, it's really in a, in a very strange way. It's about, um, it, it, it's reminiscent of, you know, really how uh, enslaved people were dealt with. Mm -hmm. You know, we weren't considered human. You know, we were non-people. We may as well have been animals to them. Uh-huh. That's what they called them. You know, and it becomes very clear that that position is still the prominent one. And so that coupled with um, the fact that, you know, I don't do large crowds of people because I have anxiety. And coupled with uh, the pandemic. You know, I'm also not doing large crowds of people because it's not a risk I'm willing to take. Um, I have remained with the exception of conversations amongst my colleagues and um, friends and some of my students, I have remained largely silent publicly. Mm -hmm. on this. This is probably the first 
time that I've said anything like this about it publicly. Now, um, to that end, I believe in people's right to protest. I believe in black people's right to protest. Culturally, that is in our makeup. That's who we are. That's what we do. And so to black folks that are protesting, the conversations that I've been having with those individuals and with uh, uh, particularly with my some of my students who are act you know who are actively you know protesting and out there um, you know on the front lines some of them is that if you're going to do this your protections need to be on high so I'm having real practical conversations about what it means to do activism in the 21st century. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and looking at the ways in which one can leverage their ancestral practices mm -hmm. and work their spirits for their protection. Those conversations I am having and I'm willing to have, but you know, willing to have them you know, privately, quite frankly. The other piece of it is just like, you know, in the age of social media, when people want access to everything, they think that they ought to have access to everything. They think they ought to be able to know about any, everything and, you know, all the things. You know, diaspora traditions largely are secret societies. So, no not talking to anybody other than who I choose to talk to about these things. Trust and believe that when and if I make a public statement, the people who know are going to catch it and the people who don't, they just not, you know, <laughs> it's fine. It's yeah. all right. Mm -hmm. I'm a paleta. I'm a yayin kisimalongo. We work in secret. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Don't get it twisted just because you see me on the IG having a good time. That's what IG is for, to promote my business and to have a good time. Mm -hmm. yep. I would urge anybody using social media um, to just for activism to just take care mm -hmm. of what's on there what you put on there mm -hmm. think strategically mm -hmm. right you know think strategically about what you put on there where protest where planning particularly planning for protest is concerned we know it's being monitored oh absolutely we know, oh absolutely. we know it's being yeah you know and watched. we know it's being monitored not just by the government or whomever but by the skin folk minions who tend, who for whatever reason tend to think not tend to think often think that you shouldn't be on there saying what it is that you're saying mm -hmm. that you don't deserve to have the platform that you have mm -hmm. um or think that you have access to a thing that you may or may not have access to or think that you out here enjoying all the the fruits of whatever and it didn't have anything to do with hard work you know right it's it's we we live in a surveillance society mm 
-hmm. And that surveillance is coming at all levels. It's coming from your friends who creep your Instagram. (laughs) Just real talk. You know, it's coming from these jobs who also look at social media. We know that that's what they do. Yeah. And it's coming from varying levels of government. We know that. Yeah. Or we should know that. And so for those who are out here at, in, in, in engaging in activism, I urge you to keep that in mind and be very careful what it is that you post if, if you post at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we need to increasingly, if, this, if the pandemic and this particular moment of uptick where uh, Black death and activism around that is concerned, I think we need to be collectively more concerned about our security than ever before, both our physical security, but our, also our online security. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe spiritual very, security too. Spiritual security as well. You know, I, I didn't say that because I just made a, a blanket assumption, but you know, I shouldn't. Your spiritual security as well. But also our online security to the extent that we can. Yeah. You know, nothing is going to there will inevitably be some gaps in some places, but if you are generally focusing on maximizing your security to the best of your ability, minimally, if something hits your your doorstep, you'll have enough of an advance because you work your ancestors and your spirits to be able to handle it. Right. That feels like such a key point and something I've been focusing on a lot too with just a lot of friends who are activists and, and mm-hmm. art organizers. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I consider myself that sometimes, but just this whole like, and I think I felt it too. Like a lot of people are like, wait, I think I need my ancestors now. I don't know. I just, so there's been all this like amplified energy. I think of people who are protesting like, oh yeah, maybe I need to have an altar or maybe I need to be praying. Um, and that is just such a cru- like, yeah, like <laughs> should have been, but yes, if this is your moment, Yes, this is time because as you said, you want to be on top of what's to come. And thankfully for these traditions, they let you know what's going on now and what, mm-hmm. what it looks like ahead and what you need to be doing with baths mm-hmm. and cleaning and cleansing, which you talk about mm-hmm. a lot. Um, mm-hmm. think about cleansing after you're being out and you've been protesting. You, ha- you need to bathe. You have to take a spiritual Listen, <laughs> listen, listen. The first month of the quarantine my hands were raw honey Hmm. raw because i was scrubbing down everything (laughs) with bleach everything everything so much so to the point that i I was using bleach so often i started getting headache and stomach ache i got paranoid i was like oh lord i got the covid and i was like girl calm down you ain't got the covid you've been sniffing bleach for the past month that's your problem you high on bleach girl stop it you know that's how deep i am into this yes. this cleaning honey yes i can you say if anybody can count on the guard for anything is that i'm going my person is going to be clean and my house is going to be clean mm-hmm. i don't yeah come yeah. on Come on. And I've been saying since the very beginning, no COVID, no coronavirus formed against me shall prosper, honey. That has been my rallying mantra. Listen. I have put all these spirits on notice. 
Uh-huh. Anybody who talks to me, I put them on notice. Listen, <laughs> I'm not even I'm not even letting it infiltrate my brain nope. because the minute it's it gets seated in the brain, that will kill you quicker than the actual COVID will. In my opinion. In my opinion. Mine too. You know. Mine too. Oh, okay. So uh let's see, we're kind of getting up on time, but I do want to just ask what do you think the role of practitioners is are in this moment? Um, you know, as you said, you know, black people have been killed um and i hate to say we'll continue to be i mean at some point i believe that we will be liberated from this but um that will take some time um and so we'll have continued deaths until that time is um and we don't know when the pandemic is going away or when covid is going away or if it is so what is the role of uh, practitioners right now wh- how can people just kind of join this journey i think because i said a lot of people talking about ancestors spirits and stuff right now um there's been an uptick in that so what what do we do what's the role what's our i, role? I mean i think I, I i think for practitioners and i'll start specifically with paletos and then i'll branch out so mm-hmm. you know more generally to include others i think where the paletto is concerned where the yayi and the tata is concerned the role has not changed so drastically mm-hmm. over these past several centuries. The circumstances have changed, and so we need to have solutions that are adapted to the 21st century. Right. But really and truly, the, the methodology and the role, I think, of the Yayi and the Tata have, have continued to be the same because the need continues to be the same more mm-hmm. conceptual you know obviously certain details in the actual doing may change but the need for me from my standpoint continues to be the same mm-hmm. as i have been taught and 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 in the research that i have done mm-hmm. and looking at prominent women um who are the sort of antecedent, who, who are a part of these antecedent Bantu cultures that contributed to Palo. You know, there are numerous, there are numerous roles, you know, the, the main role that I, I have seen in all of these women. And so when I'm talking about some of these historical figures, I'm talking about, and I'm forgetting her name, but this is the woman that was the founding ancestress of the Mbangala, which is, um, which was a, uh, how can I explain it quickly? The Mbangala was a a group of individuals in present day Angola that were known for their prowess in battle um, and practiced ritual cannibalism as one of their war tactics and were known for the very rigid ways in which they function and Essentially, if you have the Mbangala on your side, you were winning. Mm-hmm. Um, their founding uh, ancestor is a woman, was a woman. I'm forgetting the name, but if you've read anything that Linda Haywood, the Trinidadian scholar, Professor Linda Haywood has written, um, you will be able to find it. And I'll send you that book, Juju, so you can include it. Okay. Um, that woman set the founding principles and rituals 
for the Mbangala, which was in large part a group of men. There were uh, there were women who were Mbangala, but they were largely uh, males. Um, and so I take that and I understand that as the um, as one role of women of one role of the Yayi is as the creator of the rituals. Mm. We set the tone. Mm. We create the ritual. We execute the ritual. We make sure that it has longevity. Mm -hmm. um, if I look at a second figure, I'm thinking about Queen Njinga of Angola, who also worked with the Mbangala. A lot of her success was attributed to the alliances that she had with the Mbangala. But she was a master political strategist. She understood how to use diplomacy very well. She did not let these European colonialists treat her um, like some, you know, primitive in the jungle. She sent her envoys to Europe to have audiences with the Pope, to have audiences with the with the Portuguese court. Um, and so when I look at Njinga, I look at a political strategist. Mm -hmm. I look at someone who was a fierce defender of her people. Mm -hmm. And then for me, I, that is yet another thing along with, you know, being someone who creates ritual and all of that, that I, that I think is important for the Yayi. If I start to look at um, Dona Beatriz Kempovita, who was the leader of the Antonian movement, um, who received a prophecy from St. Anthony telling her that she needed to get her people free mm. um, and to invoke his name while he did it. I see the import, very important role of the Yayi as one who witnesses, but also one who sees mm -hmm. you know, spiritual sight mm. and how important that is. Mm. Um, and that, you know, that can be, that's analogous to divination at a certain point. Um, and then, you know, looking at the uh, female founders, the original female founders of Palo in Cuba, who made their own ganga. Nobody talks about that. But they, they, they created their own ganga. What is Nganga for people who don't know? And Nganga is a, a vessel um, in Palo that houses Mpungo. And Mpungo is one of the spiritual entities, um, is, a, is the, a category of spiritual entities that we work with in Palo. Mm -hmm. okay. And typically it is something that is built only by males, by tatas. But there are two notable female yayis um, who, at the point at which Palo was being formalized, more or less into how we understand it today, built their own gangas. And so that, to me, builds on you know the 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 role as. Um, as envisioned by this ancestress connected to the Mbangala, but also it said it's also about you know giving life, birthing life. Mm -hmm. It also is um, 
for me a very clear statement about the um, the inherent creative force of uh, women that neither that depending on the circumstance oftentimes does not require the um, does not require males. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not a slight. It's just the fact. If you understand parthogenesis, I hope I'm saying that right. But if you understand parthogenesis, you'll understand what it is I'm talking about. If you look at uh, women-led societies, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Um, if you talk to any man who actually loves and defends women, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Mm. Um, and so when I look at those four, is that four? Yeah, those, those four examples, that for me is, is really what Yayis should be doing. We should be creating the rituals. We should be the strategists. Mm -hmm. We should be um, the seers. And um, we should be giving life to these things. Right. You know? Um, and when I look at my godmother and um, how she is training the women in her house, that's what she's teaching. Um, and if I were to add another role in that, that would, it would then be education. Yeah. You know, it would then be education. Um, more broadly, I would like to see practitioners of these traditions, particularly black people, that if they're going to take a stand, take a firm stand and stick to it. Um, now, these are scary times, but really this is a long game. It's been going on for a long time. I wish I could say that it was gonna end soon, but it's not necessarily based on what I can see. Um, and so if you're going to be in it, be in it, be willing to implicate yourself, take a stand and work for what it is that you believe in. You know, when I decided that I was going to open up sort of an educational arm of my, of my business to really teach people about spiritual hygiene. I inevitably found myself because of the contemporary moment having to talk about the activism, having to talk about these protests, having to talk about the history of, you know, of, 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 of racism and all of the other isms that come along with it. Having to, you know, make it very plain on what my position was and why it is that I did this. You know, I told my students that if there's anything that you will learn from me when you leave out of this program, is that you will be able to say that Nagara taught you how to work your ancestors and taught you how to work your ancestors specifically for your protection. Yeah. If there's anything that you come out of this. Mm -hmm. You saying you can say I have a fucked up attitude. You could say maybe I'm not as, you know what I'm saying, I'm not as nice as you wanted me to be, but you, what you won't be able to say is that I didn't teach you how to work these dead people yeah. and that I didn't teach you how to protect yourself. Right. 
because that's something I fundamentally believe in and that's something that I take a stand on. And even for my community and my friends who don't do what it is that I do, don't have a practice, that's a conversation that we're having. Mm-hmm. Still. So be willing to implicate yourself in that. Mm-hmm. You know, be willing to implicate yourself in that. Mm-hmm. You know, be willing also where resources concerned because we didn't talk about the economic piece of it but you know economics is a real thing you don't have any of these movements you don't have any of the things that are going on you don't have this pandemic without an understanding of the economics that are going along with it and the way that economics are helping these things to sustain yeah themselves but also the way in which a lack of economics means that certain people have chances and other people don't have chances. And so I was really moved by my guy sister, Maisha, her, the sales that she did a few weeks ago, where every day she donated a portion of her proceeds to a bail fund, to a COVID fund, Mm -hmm. you know? I had been seeing that and I woke up one day and these dead people were in my ear and was like, girl, if you don't get out this bed and do a sale, and that's what I did and I donated, I donated a portion of those proceeds um, to the Northwest Community Bail Fund. Mm-hmm. I plan to do another, hopefully a few more over the course of, of, of the summer where I can donate a portion. Yeah. Money is m- money is, ca- is caught up in this. Yes. And if you, if you don't understand that, even on a basic level, you're missing a significant piece. There's a lot of money caught up in this whole situation. True. You know, there's a lot of money caught up in this whole situation. Um, and I would urge where education is concerned, I would urge people to really start being, if you don't already look at financial news to start doing so and to be very discerning about what it is that you hear and be very discerning about the, 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 the choices of investments that you make. Um, our economy was certainly not in a good place before this COVID, the quarantine has exacerbated that. Um, I think any talk of a uh, improvement is premature, mm-hmm. extremely premature. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, if this is what you're about, implicate yourself in it and be about that. It's not necessarily always about you know the talk, it's the deed. It really is, quite frankly, the deed. And so um, that's what I would like to see. Of course, the people that we know and run with have been active. You know, you've been active. Maisha's been active. I've been active. Satara has been active. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are numerous ways to be active. Not everybody needs to be on the front, front line. Not everybody has the capacity to be on the front line. Mm-hmm. You know, there are roles for many of us, you know, they're roles for many of us. Um, And if you've decided that you're going to take a role, then take it, do it, you know? Yeah. It's also okay to stay in your lane and be honest about the fact that this is the capacity that you have. That's the strategic part is to stay in your lane. It's not strategic to not be in your lane. (laughs) Yeah. I wish more people understood that. Yeah. I wish more people understood that because there is nothing more powerful than being clear on where you are, who you are, and why you are, and being that. Yeah. Right. And being that. The last thing that I do want to say, though, mm-hmm. 
is particularly because, and this touches upon sort of the point that we were making about the emotional impacts of the, of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. It is very, very important. And this is advice that I tell everybody. Um, it's very, very important that you take care of your mental space. Very, very important. First, it was the pandemic. Then it was the economic precarity that accompanied the pandemic. Now it is this uptick in Black death. Um, most recently, the lynchings mm -hmm. that have happened, you know, and people want to say that suicide, suicide, my ass. I know a lynching. Mm -hmm. First of all, I'm from Chicago where they lynched <laughs> Emmett Till, where they killed that boy and lynched him. And anyway, I know a lynching when I see it. Um, hmm. Be careful with how much you consume of that. I understand that people feel compelled to you know, share things over and over again on social media and all of that, but I'm telling you the uh, impact that it has on your psyche is unhealthy. This is how we normalize Black death. Yep, yep, yep. I'm not interested in that. Black death is not normal to me. It will never be normal to me. The abuse of Black people will never be normal to me. The abuse of BIPOC people will never be normal to me. Right. And so because that is not normal, because that is aberrant, that means I'm bypassing a lot of content from people that I actually, as a, as a general rule, think post decent things. Right. Because I'm not normalizing black. I'm not normalizing black death. I'm not doing it. Not sharing black death. Traumatic. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not normalizing black death. I'm not. Mm -hmm. I'm not in any way going to associate myself with anything that says that that is okay, that that is right and that that is uh, something that we should accept. I don't accept it, you know? And so I urge people to be very, very careful with what they consume. Mm -hmm. You know, I had to take several steps back myself in April. I publicly declared that I was not gonna be watching the news, yeah. that I was decreasing my social media intake with the exception of stuff that is business related. And, you know, it was interesting the responses that I got when I did that. You know, um, a lot of people was just like, oh, well, you know, I can't really do that, but good for her. Really? Um, hmm. You know, I sort of heard it through the grapevine, you know. Um, and my thing is, I get it. I get it. It's hard to unplug. This is why I said this is what I was doing. Mm -hmm. But then I also see the ways in which some of those very same people are not doing well mentally because they are intaking all of this stuff into their psyche. You know, that's a spiritual attack. Too. that you're doing to yourself because mm -hmm. you could turn your phone off yep. you know um, and so I made a decision not to do that I exited quite a few online group online dynamics because mm -hmm. the conversations for me were too focused on those things and I didn't want to I, I just didn't want to be a part of it anymore mm -hmm. and so I took the measures that I found necessary to um, to quite frankly pr protect my psyche and at this point where I am in the in 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 all of this is really I'm I'm interested in finding viable ways that I can safe ways that I can reconnect with my my friends. I miss my friends dearly. I miss my mama. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sick of screens. Yes. I'm really sick of screens. Um and so I'm 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 trying to think about viable ways that I could do that. But also back to, to, to what we were discussing earlier, the reality is that at a certain point you just can't stay in the house anymore that becomes unhealthy. 
And so thinking about when 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 I'm going to absolutely need to re-enter the world on some kind of regular basis, how I can do that safely. Right. And that that's that's what I hope people are able to yeah. uh, shift into, mm-hmm. especially black folks. Mm-hmm. But that that's generally what I what I hope people are able to shift into. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, you, you touched on so many amazing things. Um, I know that people who are not familiar with you now are like, I need to get familiar with her. <laughs> so how can they How can they do that? How can they find you? And what do you Certainly. My website is NagaraAkadumu.com. My Instagram and Twitter are at NagaraAkadumu. Um, I, as I mentioned before, I work at the intersection of art and healing. Um, I... On the healing side, I offer coaching um, and I offer education in the form of spiritual hygiene. Mm-hmm. Um, Necessary, y'all. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping that at which point um, it is it, we're able to safely reopen and safely, you know, do one-on-one encounters. That I'll be able to be able I'll be able to resume uh, my Reiki practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that happens, that will be taking place at Madrona House Apothecary here in Seattle. Um, but those are my primary offerings is the coaching um, and the spiritual hygiene, um, one-on-one mentorship. Um, I am planning to open up some coaching possibilities for artists because I've had some really generative conversations with a few different artists who are looking for um, just some advice and, and mentorship around how they can build the career uh, that they're interested in. Um, I'm really wanting to take a, a deeper dive into broadening my art practice and looking at what I can do in terms of uh, my own public programming um, and, and developing a platform for such. Um, but yeah, everything that you would want to know is on my website, nagaraekadumu.com, and then also, by extension, my um by extension, my social media, which is also Nagara Ekadumu on both IG and Twitter. There's a few, I guess, kind of surprises happening in the summer. Um, so just stay tuned to the website and you'll be able to uh, be uh, connected into all of that. Okay. So are you doing readings at all for people who are going to ask? No. I'm very, very grateful. I am booked out through the end of the year, child. Yes. We love to see it. We love to see it. We yes. totally love to see it, honey. Yes. We love to see it. Um, and so okay. I'm booked out through I'm booked out through the end of the year. There is a wait list. I'm just gonna be very, very honest. It is unlikely that I'm gonna be able to fill that wait list before the end of the year. And you know, as much as I would love to be able to support all of those people, I really just have to acknowledge how blessed I am from my community, from my client base, from um, my spirits, quite frankly, that I was able to get to this point. And so um, certainly if slots do come available, um, people will be notified, but where divinations are concerned, I'm done for now. Okay. Look, we love to see that. Yes, I shade to that. I'm, I'm so happy. Mm-hmm. 
Thank oh, you. Cool. Thank well, everyone, thank y'all for tuning in. I will have all of Nagar's information um, in the show notes on YouTube and then also on the podcast. So just check, you'll be able to find all of the things that were mentioned today, including some of the resources. I'll try to include those. I wrote some things down. Um, and thank you so much, Nagar, for joining me again for part two. I love speaking with you. You just have so much oh, love. Oh, it's, thank it's you so much, too. Thank you. I think the platform that you have developed is just absolutely fabulous. And I hope to see more and more growth where that is concerned for you because we need platforms that center blackness and center blackness and healing and really interrogating the things that are happening with us in this contemporary moment. And I think your space really provides a um, the, 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 the proper kind of platform for that. And so I'm very grateful that I came to know you and that this has manifested because this has really been really beautiful so. thank you i received that of course all of right course. you have a lovely rest of your day you too take care Bye. all you need is a little juju i hope you all enjoyed that episode and this interview that we had with nagara i know we talked about a lot of things um, so i hope that you all got some knowledge that you had your notepads and writing things down because you know she's always dropping so much tea for us to refer back to and uh yeah yeah <laughs> if you would like to reach out to nagara of course i will have her information ready and available in the show notes and of course if you would like to reach out to me you can find me on my website www.itsjujubay.com you can email me at juju at itsjujubay.com for any inquiries reaching out for some stuff, collaborate, collaboration stuff. And then you can hit me on the social media, of course. Um, my Instagram is at I-T-S-J-J-U-B-A-E, it's Jujubay. And my Twitter is also at it's Jujubay. Don't expect spiritual stuff all the time, okay? Twitter is where I cut up. You can also find me on Instagram at a little juju podcast. That is a podcast page where we will post podcast updates. And I'm Juju Bay on Facebook. I'm so sorry to my Facebook loves. I do not be on there, but I try. I try, but that is my Facebook. And uh, I think that's it. Wishing y'all wellness, peace, abundance, blessings. If you're wishing it for me and mine, and have a good one. I hope y'all are feeling good a little bit more grounded a little bit more strategic in where we are right now in the world um fuck everybody who kills black people fuck the cops who killed brianna taylor and every other person and black person whose name we don't know um yes speaking justice speaking justice into the ethers all right y'all blessings 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 and remember all you need is a little juju all you need is a little juju. Later. My spirit's surrounded, so I'll never try. try.